Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hey, what's happening? You know, I, know what that was like? What was that like? Have you ever like? been like, you're ready to go on a uh, an airplane, and yeah. they're saying like, you're, they're next in line or whatever? But you're waiting on the taxi, and then all of a sudden, it just starts rolling a little bit, and you're rolling and rolling, and all of a sudden, you just go boom real quick, and you oh, launch. The acceleration? But, yeah, without stopping at all. It's just like you're rolling yeah. and rolling, and all of a sudden, they just turn, and then boom, they're hitting it, where a lot of times, they'll go, and they'll stop, you'll wait, and then they'll rev their engines up, and Give then you an slowly, you start going, yeah. Ding! You hear so, a little ding. So our, our opening was kind of like that. So we you know went what? from boom to boom, like quick. It's like a Tesla. I hear, I hear, yeah. I've never driven one, but I hear it, the accelerations like that. Is it? Boom. Yeah. Boom. So how was your weekend? It was great. How about it you? Was, well, my daughter broke her wrist. Yeah, I heard about that. Man. How many times have you told your kids don't run on the sidewalk? And then they do. But I think she is it tr- just me or do our kids not listen to I us? I think they, they, there was like, there was chalk, like a pool on the sidewalk and she was jumping in. No, no, that'd be no. funny though. You ever I, seen those though, where they make them look realistic? Yes, that's pretty incredible. But I don't know what that has to do with my daughter breaking her wrist. No, I don't know. I just thought I'd say that. <laughs> I do know what you're talking about. Those look, those are kind of scary realistic. It's like you walk up to and you're like, wait, those are stairs, but it's not. It's still flat. Bob, Bob and I were this uh, today. We're talking about how busy we are and how we're trying to figure out how to unbusy ourselves. That's right. That's right. So if anybody wants to guest host the Riot Podcast next week, <laughs> Pete and I could use a week off. But that's not going to happen. No, it's like, it's sometimes... In fact, I'm excited about next week's show. Not to, you know, jump ahead or anything, but yeah, we, we may have a special guest next week. No, we, will. we can't tell you in case it doesn't happen, but... Yeah, right. <laughs> we got a verbal. <laughs> but I'm looking, President so-and-so. I'm, hey, shh. <laughs> question is is it 44 or 45 oh we can't say well we can't say that's 43 we, we've been told we're not, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy all right we're gonna have fun today though what are yeah. we gonna do today um we're gonna talk about john 7 yeah yeah i changed the title though did you what yeah. is it you better tell me yeah it's living in a world that hates jesus Ooh. Living in a world that hates Jesus. Now, was this for first century Israel, or is this still true? Can you relate? I mean, jeez. Has <laughs> our world gone mad, It Pete? has gone crazy. And that, we were just talking about this morning, they have the, the World Economic Forum that's going on in Davos, Switzerland. Have you ever been to Davos, Switzerland? No, but I want to. Well, I, I definitely want to I go. I want to go to Switzerland. I haven't been to Switzerland. Yeah. It looks beautiful. And that's on my bucket list. And I heard it's really if, expensive. If I had a bucket. But if you, if anybody is following what's being said at the Davos World Give us an example, Pete. What's well, being said I just, at Davos? I'm not going to get into like those details. All I can say is that from a godly world perspective, it seems like the world is in chaos and that everything is out of control and that evil is winning and rampant everywhere. So I think everybody can that's follower of Christ, we can probably testify to that based off of what we see and what we're observing. I think we can also testify that things things just seem out of whack. They do. They just think, seem, I'm getting all tongue-tied now. See, uh, things seem to be not going, it's it's just weird. Okay, I don't know yeah, how to describe let, it. Let me ask you a couple questions, yeah. I'll, and I'll keep them simple. All right. They're, they're yes or no. The gas prices are at an all-time high, right? Yeah, and so they're probably going to go pushing, higher. So we're pushing pushing five dollars a gallon nationwide. Yeah. And according to the whoa, world, whoa, whoa, whoa. let oh. me ask the question first. Oh, okay. Don't don't step on me. Right. Hold on. Is is it accidental or on purpose? 
Yeah, it's it's definitely on purpose. Yeah. So the goal is to get um, people on, you know, the electric cars and other things. So, I mean, that's the goal, to being clean energy, and that's that's the goal. You know, and then, you know, there's... You know what drives me nuts about that? What? You know how we fuel um, electric cars here in Orlando? By coal. Yeah, by coal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most people don't know that they're coal powered electric cars people that's just i don't know sorry didn't mean to interrupt well i mean again it's i i just think uh, the the bottom line is that we need jesus more than ever and so if you if we get caught up into the world system and we start you know trying to fix the world system you know by ourselves without the power of jesus without his love without his guidance and directions and we're just we're beating a dead horse. I mean, it, the, the world is out of control on purpose. There's a, there's a enemy that's destroying it. There's an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy. It. It's almost like he's intentionally trying to distract us. It, anything he can do to get our eyes focused on the problem yes. and not on the problem solver, he wins. And so if you're getting caught up into this chaos and you're worried or you're fearful or you're stressed or you can't figure out how then you're going to live the next day or whatever that is, you're focusing on the problem and not on the problem solver. And uh, we would just encourage you to just press into Jesus. I'm telling you, he's the author and finish of your life. He's the beginning and the end of everything. He is your rock. He is your peace. Um, He will find joy in him. And there's no other way to find joy um but through that so anyway that's our that's our. so you're saying he's the alpha and omega he's everything man so i i just i i don't know so the the world is crazy right now and we are the light of the darkness and so you know again just let's talk about that today even more it's just we want to be more light lord more light in this darkness we want to love more we want to hate less. We want to do more to bring the kingdom of God and move the kingdom of God forward. So you're saying you don't have to ignore all the crazy stuff going in the world. Just don't dwell on it. Right? No, we operate in the world. Yeah. We function in the world, but not by my might, nor by my power, as the Bible says, but by the spirit, says the Lord. So it's not, and I'm not doing it in my own might or my own power, but I am operating in the world, the world with the power and strength of Jesus Christ to bring forth God's love, God's truth, God's gospel to the world that's hurting and dying. That'll preach. That is preach. Good, good, good stuff. Yeah. All right, let me open us up in prayer. All right. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to talk about you, to talk about, uh, to, to go through this book of John with our audience. Father, I just pray that uh, you would be with our listeners, that uh, you would bless them through this word, through your word, Lord. And uh, man, we just, we just pray that each and every one of us gets to take something out of this that helps draw us closer to you. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yep. So we're going to be in John 7, verses 1 through 24. So if you're following us, we're going to be reading again out of the ESV. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you're driving, do not do that. But if you're at home and you're listening and you can grab your Bible, it would be best to grab it and follow along with us. Is it bad that we have to give that disclaimer? That's true, though. I, um, it's just, I guess that's part of the, the crazy the world that we live in. Well, that, we even, I mean, that we even think about it. We're doing it in jest. Well, we're, we're joking no, about it. But, but I'm going to give a, a, a disclaimer <laughs> okay. to myself because I have pulled up a verse as I'm driving. <laughs> I'm not lying. As I was listening, I would pull it up and I would look to try to find out in front of me. So So State Farm, that's Pete Robertson. You might want to cancel that insurance policy. No kidding. That's bad. (laughs) But again, so today's title, we're going to call it Living in a World that Hates Jesus.
All right. So All right, today so we'll it. unpack the Feast of the Tabernacles, Pete. Yes. Um, in John 7, the feast was a way for the Jews to look back to Israel's journey through the wilderness and look forward to the promised kingdom of the Messiah. The Jews lived in booths made of branches to remind them of God's prov providential care of the nation for nearly 40 years. Tabernacles were a uh, festive time for the people. The temple area was illuminated by large candlesticks that reminded the people of the of the guiding pillar of fire. How cool would that have been to see, yeah, Pete? really cool. Each day, the priests would carry water from the pool of Siloam and pour it out from a golden vessel, reminding the Jews of the miraculous provision of water from the rock. Yeah, so they would go to the pool. The priests would go down to the pool of Shalom. <clears throat> they would bring it back up into the temple, and then they would pour it every day. Um, so that was a daily thing for seven days. They would do that. Um, that's cool. So the pillar of fire, that's cool. But you know what's going to be cool? Huh. Jesus lighting up heaven. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> so the pillar of fire is in, in reference to the Shekinah glory. So if we understand, remember in the Old time, Old Testament, the the ta uh, the you know Jesus or God you know his his tabernacle was in the middle of the camp, and and so that's where the Shekinah glory lived. That's where the fire by night was there, and then all the tribes of Israel were around the the tabernacle, and um, so this is just you know it's a festival that they're they're talking about how they remember the time that they had to live in tents. Remember the time that they had you know this is what they used to do and. And then also, as it as we said, it's a time that they're looking forward to the Messiah. And so I see this as a foreshadowing as well. So here's Jesus, you know, and this is kind of what's happening during this time. And Jesus is going to be saying, hey, I am the tabernacle. You know, I am the Father. I am one with God. And um, I am the light to the world. I am the Shekinah glory. Um, I, I will illuminate, you know, in your life, in your heart, as it was, as I gave you, you know, for this testimony in this tabernacle. Um, and so um, I know that's kind of, it's kind of like a precursor, or, you know, Jesus is basically going to use this to do this. But another name for the Festival of Tabernacle, I know it just confused some people, but is Sukkot, um, S-U-K-K-O-T. So the Jewish people would know that. And Sukkot means in Hebrew is tent or, um, yeah, so like a tent or like a booth. Um, it's during the Jewish autumn festivals. Uh, it's kind of like a double Thanksgiving. It begins on the 15th day of Tishri. It's usually in September or October. Um, it's five days after Yom Kippur, um, the day of atonement. So remember what the day of atonement is, right? Yom Kippur. Yep. Okay. So that's when that's the that's day every September, right? Or pretty much <clears throat> yeah. every September. So the day of atonement is a really big deal. That's when they come to atone for their sins, right? So that's, that's a big deal. Um, so it's five days after that. So now after they have toned for their sins, they're having a party. And so they're remembering kind of what's going on. It's, it's one of the three pilgrim festivals of the Hebrew Bible, uh, recalling, recalling the days when the Israelites lived in huts, or as I said, huts, um, during the years of wandering in the wilderness of Exodus and in, in from Egypt. So that's kind of what's happening. So that sets the stage. So there's a big festival. It's a party. There's there's t uh, there's huts everywhere or branches of huts everywhere. And um, are these like permanent dwellings or this is no, something they set, set up, up just for the festival? They just set up for the festival around the temple or down down in Jerusalem or up in Jerusalem. And uh, and so that's what's happening. So <laughs> I this just had is, a weird thought. Uh, it sounds like Burning Man. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, so this is kind of so this is kind of sets it up. So we need to understand what's happening, and it's per, this is before the festival that we're going to enter into the story that we're going to read in John uh, seven one through ten, and then it kind of gives it you know 
you know, sets it up where it's at. So yeah, so the next statement is uh, the feast was a jubilant time of the year for the people, but it was a difficult time for Jesus, for it marked the beginning of the open persecution to him and his ministry. Ever since he had healed the paralytic on the Sabbath day, Jesus had been targeted by the Jewish leaders who wanted to kill him. We talked about that in the last couple times. In our reading today, we will see Jesus remained in Galilee where it would be safer for him, but he did not remain there. What we're going to see is that he eventually did attend this feast that we just talked about. So let's go ahead and read John 7, 1 through 10, and then we'll get it going. Excellent. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in, in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is already here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its works, uh, testify that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. Yeah. So again, so this is before the, the, them going to the festival, they're preparing for the time to go up and, um, they're wanting Jesus to go up with them. And so Jesus again is like, yeah, you know, he wants to go because he, he did the, he always went to the festivals. He did go to Israel for these times, but at the same time, he also knew that he needs to be a little bit more strategic in this because these, these people are, the religious leaders are wanting to kill him. So Answer me this, Pete. So this has probably been a tradition for for years. They've gone oh, yeah. gone as a family all every the year. time. They, they go all every Jews. year. They go to this. Yeah. And now now Jesus' ministry has started, and now he's not going with them. So things have things have changed. A yeah, little bit. they're but looking. They're looking at they're trying to a kill him different. now too. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. So he's he's got to take different precautions now. And I, and again, he's being led by the Father. So the Father is using this to teach a lesson. So there's a bigger picture here, and that's what kind of what we're going to unpack a little bit. So this is before the feast. There's disbelief. You know, Mary bore other children with Joseph as their natural father. So Jesus would have been their half brother. Um, it seems incredible that his brothers could have lived uh, could have lived with him all these years and not realize uh, the uniqueness about him. So they're kind of like mocking him a little bit. They're looking at him, saying, "Hey." Um, you know, if you're the Messiah, you should be going up, you know, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, but they, they probably knew John six, 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 John six, six. Yeah. Uh, that John we talked about, six, six, six. Yeah. <laughs> that we talked about in our last podcast, talking about how they, the, his disciples, many of his disciples, uh, deserted him, but certainly his brothers had known about his miracles. Everyone else did yet. They still were unbelievers. That's just shocking to me. What's your thoughts on that? I was just thinking you're talking about James here. Yeah. I mean, James, who was what, yeah. what led, who led, yeah. the, led the church yeah. in, in Jerusalem a few years down the road, yeah. who wrote one of the books of the Bible, right? Um, yeah, that's... I, I'm just wondering <laughs> if it hurt Jesus, too. So, I mean, here's his, here's his brothers, you know, they're, he, he's saying that he's not going to go, but they're like doubting him, and they're yeah. like mocking him, per se. We're going to talk about I, it. Oh, you know how brothers can yeah. be. You have brothers. Yeah. We can be like mean to each other. Yeah. So that's kind of what's happening. So, you know, the first part, you know, they're, they're basically saying that, um, he is the half brother of G, uh, of his brothers. Um, but they're, 
you know, he's still, he's still their brother. I mean, he's still blood based through Mary. So, you know, there's, and he's got to be different. So they know that. <laughs> so anyway, all right, let's go to statement three. All right. In this paragraph, we see, we're seeing men going up to a religious feast, yet they are rejecting their own Messiah. That's just mind boggling. Yeah, it really is. I, I wrote, <laughs> ironic, right? Yeah. How easy is it? How easy is it to follow religious traditions and miss the eternal truth? And how often do we still do that today? Yeah, the sinners. You know why, Pete? Because religion sucks. It does, dude. We say that so much. Sorry. The sinners were rejoicing at Jesus' message, but his brothers, his own brothers, were making fun of him. Wow. You know how could we do the same thing? So again, it's if you look at. Here's the Messiah right in front of them. So we're searching for answers in our own life. And, um, Jesus, you know, brings somebody into your life that speaks the love of Jesus or speaks goodness to you that, that points you to the right direction. And you look at that person and because of, of what you've believed in your past, or you believe that, you know, religion is bad or Christianity is bad, or, or you've made yourself believe something, or you've been hurt by God in the past or whatever it is. And you're seeing this goodness and you refuse to follow it. You know, you refuse to follow Messiah and you end up reverting back to your old ways and you end up mocking him or you end up just turning your back. And here's God in his loving grace. The Messiah himself has revealed himself to you and that's what you've done. And so that's kind of what his brothers are doing. Here's his brothers know him probably as well or as good as anybody. They spent and grew up with him. And here they are basically knowing who he is, knowing his uniqueness, and they're still mocking him and turning their back on him. So that's that's kind of how I see it. Any thoughts to that? Well, I mean, you kind of already, you know, statement four, you kind of already talked about this a little bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it again, All just right. kind of reemphasize it. Right. It says, I'm sure Jesus's brothers knew about John 6, verse 66, when many of his disciples deserted, uh, deserted him. So if you remember, we were talking last uh, last week, Pete, about uh, you know how the twelve stayed, and and Jesus even asked them, well, "Do you guys want to follow?" And yeah. Peter, what Peter speaks up and it says something really yeah, where bold, would we go? like, yeah. "Where would we go? You yeah. are the Messiah." Yeah. And uh, but here, I think what you're saying is, you know, his own brothers didn't see that. They they were they were missing it. They lived with him for thirty years, and they they still missed it. So anyway, because of that, they were mocking him when they said, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples may also see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret, verse 4, no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. Mm. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. It's almost like they're saying, hey, if you want to build your, you know, you want to build your following back up, you need to go where the people are. Yeah. So again, so like us today, everything's about numbers. So, you know, you go to a church and it has 40 people and you're like, oh, that church is horrible. You know, they're not, the spirit must not be moving. Mm. You know, God's not moving. And that's not how God looks at it. God's looking for the heart. God's looking at, are you surrendered to him? Are you seeking him? Is the church, you know, on their knees and, and seeking the Lord and so forth? And that's what God wants more than anything else. And the world has always been about the numbers. It's always been about, hey, you know, if you're, if you're rich, that means you're smart and you're intelligent and amazing. But if you're poor, that means you're stupid and you have no clue. Wow. So it's it's always about the numbers in the world. And so that's exactly how they're seeing it. So if we have the world's mindset, we're always going to make it about the numbers. And that's not what it is. So they were saying that if you want to have a following, you need to take advantage of opportunities and do something spectacular. So, I mean, we've been taught that, hey, you get one shot. 
you get one, you know, eight mile, you get one shot, right? <laughs> I just thought of that. I don't know why. Mom's spaghetti? My head. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm talking about Eminem. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, anyway. Part so, of the song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Once Bob's spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's what, they, that's what the world teaches is yeah. that you get one shot, you got to perform. You got, if you want to get accepted, if you want to get, you know, brought into the inner circle, if you want to, you want to have a major ministry, you want to have something, you got to, you got to perform. And all of that weight and all that pressure on you. And it, and it's all about you at that moment. And, and Jesus said, no, it's never about you. It, it, you're, you're looking at it in the wrong light. It's always about my father. It's always about him. And so we have to change that mentality. So that's kind of what's happening here. And so they're looking at, they're, they're bringing up John 666, which probably did hurt him. It probably did. It probably broke his heart because all of these people that turned away, but at the same time, he says, no, but I know my father is in charge. My father is in control. I'm trusting in him and I'm not looking at numbers. I'm looking at what is my father doing and how am I following him and how am I being obedient in what he is asking of me to do? Am I fulfilling my calling? And what it is. So we look at things completely different. You know, I bet it, it hurt Jesus because they didn't get it. You know, I, you know, we like think, you know, we would get hurt personally. I think Jesus hurt. I mean, like when he wept over the city, it's like, I think he's just, he's hurt because they don't see it. They, they don't get he's it. He's got to be. And it's I'm, like, you know, don't only if you knew. And so that's kind of how it is with us when we're talking to a friend that just refuses to believe in Jesus, or we're talking to someone that that you know i just was on twitter the other day and this guy corrected this other guy and he says yeah thanks coming from a guy that only has 35 followers is what he said and and he's like well because you only have 35 followers what you said cannot be true yeah just throwing a jab it, it, it can't be shot. true and so that's kind of you know there's a lot of people out there that will reject you because you don't have a big ministry or you don't have this or you don't have that and all you're doing is trying to speak in truth and you're trying to love on them and you're trying to point them to Jesus and they're just not well, doing it. That's such a good point about the numbers too, Pete. And I know, I already know how you're going to answer this question, but would, which, which one of these has a bigger impact on a community? You know, a, a place that has 4,000 people show up for, for a Sunday morning service or a church of 40 who is totally sold out in love for Jesus and loves people like Jesus does. Which one is going to have a bigger yeah, impact on that community? It's Yeah, of course. It's the ones that are actually doing the work of God. Yeah. It's it's the ones that are actually moving the kingdom forward. And so you if you have large masses and it's an entertainment and it's a religious festival, that's one thing. But if you have people that are being trained to actually do the work of God— and there's only 40, then those 40 are going to turn the world upside down. It's just a whole different mentality. So good. But, you know, they're, they were saying that because Jerusalem would be packed at this time, they, they figured like the world does that it would be perfect opportunity to win more disciples. So again, <laughs> we look at our circumstances. So we say, okay, where's the best way that we should market? Or where's <laughs> the best way that we can do time. this? Yeah. We're always looking at it oh, that way. Yep. And Jesus doesn't look at any of that like that. And, 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 you know, how do we, you know, basically, you know, how do we make up for our losses in the past? What do we have to do to make a big splash today? You know, and this is kind of the mentality, but Jesus is moved by the father's standards and not tempted by the world's standards. Wow. We have to understand that. What is the father saying? What is the father asking of us? That is where we stay only. We don't go anywhere else. We don't look at the world standards. We don't look at the temptations of what's happening outside of it. We stay within what God is saying to find the peace, find the resolve in him, and, and he will direct your path. He will lead you to your next steps. He has a plan. He's going before you. 
Just don't get outside of it and try to make things happen on your own. Don't believe the world's lies in trying to get you to do things that are not according to what God's perfect will is. Uh, Lord, so, help us see it yeah. like that way. Yeah. Uh, so good. All right, next statement. Jesus yeah. said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is already here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that, it, that its works are evil. The world hated Jesus because their minds were blinded by unbelief. This unbelief was prophesied in Psalm 69:8. I am become, wait, I am become a stronger unto my brother. A stranger. A stranger. Yeah. I mean, strong. It's, well, it's the italics. It does oh, that. it's yeah. my eyes. It's yeah. not the, no, don't blame the, the print. It's my eyes. Unto my brother and an alien unto my mother's children. Wow. Yeah, so this is, again, a prophecy, you know, that David was saying of Jesus, I am a became a stranger unto my brethren. So here's, you know, Jerusalem, Israel, and my brothers, and an alien to my mother's children. So even, so um, something to notice here, I'm, I want to bring this up real quick. I said, they they may go and do things freely. They were not hindered by anything as Jesus was. Jesus' brothers did not face the same spiritual hostility as he did. Jesus' life and ministry were focused on the exposing the sin of the world, pointing to the need of the Savior. But when, where, and how his brothers attended such a festival is unimportant. Christ, on the other hand, had to carefully consider how he presented himself and when. And so in this, in this statement, he's saying, my time has not yet come, but yours is there. And so he's telling them, hey, you guys don't have the same issues that I have. You guys are... Um, you know, you guys are basically um, free to do whatever you need to do. I have limitations. I have to follow my father's law. If you were following me and you were following the God's law, then you would also have limitations and would have to do things a certain way. Yeah, so. I was thinking the exact same thing. That's that's the part that I missed earlier. I'm like, wait, that basically he's calling them out. He's like, if you were doing the things that I'm doing, they, they would hate you too. So look at, uh, notice Psalm 69, 8, which was a prophecy. It says, I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien to my mother's children. Do you notice that it doesn't say unto my father's children? So the father typically you would be because Jesus is not Joseph's actual son. The Holy Spirit yeah. is. This prophecy was saying it directly to the mothers. So just noted that. I mean, wow. it's pretty remarkable right there. So again, there's no errors. It's the, the word of God, God's infallible truth. You cannot, you could try to dissect it and try to prove it wrong. But when you start reading it, it, it will, it will find yourself, uh, it will come to find truth in your heart always. All right, let's move on. All right. Um, in verse seven, the world, it says the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify. And oh, we just talked about that. Yeah. Um, but the final sentence in that, it says his ministry called the people back to reality of life in God, and they did not like it. Why didn't they like it? Yeah. So I testify about it, that the works are evil. So again, so Jesus is coming into the world. Remember we talked about in our prep how there's, Jesus has one main mission is to take back the world. Right. It's to, he has there's his whole mission is to create a way so that the world can come to know and have fellowship with the father. So it's not, it's not necessarily about the Israelites at this moment, even though he chose the Israelites to bring the Messiah to, to bring enter into you know this hope and glory that God is bringing, but it's always been about the world. So the world cannot hate you because it hates me. So the world has already rejected him. And now it's his Israelites, his own brethren are rejecting him. His own, his own families are rejecting him. And, and the reason why they're rejecting him is because he is pointing out to them that what they're doing is evil. Hmm. 
what they're doing is contrary to holiness. It's what they're, he's bringing the reality of truth to their life. And so that's the same thing that happens to us. When we're walking holy, when we're walking in, in a righteous way, that's, that's, that's according to God's perfect will, the world will take notice and say, hey, that's different. And then it will be, it will, it will shine a light on their evil ways. It will shine a light on their darkness. It will magnify what they're doing in such a way that it will cause them to be uncomfortable. And they're going to rebel against you as they rebelled against God. And so we are in the world, right? We're not of the world, we're in the world. And in this world, we are going to face opposition. We're going to face uh, uh, people wanting to attack us if we are coming in the light of Christ. Because we're revealing to them God's truth. We're revealing to them the holiness of God. And we're revealing to them what is the God's perfect will. And people are not going to understand it. Yeah, you shared one other line, Pete, that I, I wanted to share with our listeners. He said, Jesus revealed to them the shallowness and emptiness of the religious system. Like, no wonder they were upset with him, right? They, he was basically calling them out. Well, he's, he said religion sucks right there. That's <laughs> right. what he said. He revealed to them <laughs> the shallowness and emptiness of the religious system. I knew it was biblical. I yeah. knew it. Religion, I'm telling you, religion will not get you closer to God. Religion will then only get you closer to yourself. It will make yourself feel better. It will bring value to yourself. It will bring value to other people seeing you, all of that. The only thing that gets you closer to Jesus is in a total surrender and relationship and worship of him. And he's telling them straight up, listen, by doing your religious things, you're not getting closer to me. In fact, you don't even know me. You have never spent time with me. You woke up this morning and you did your religious acts. Mm -hmm. You never actually talked to me. You never found out what the father is saying in your life. You never adjusted your life to do what the father told you to do. You did not spend quiet time with me. You did not hear me. You did not do the things that were necessary in order for me to speak to you and you to speak to me. All you did was your shallowness and all you did was your empty religious system. That's what you did. His ministry called the people back to reality of life in God and they did not like it. Hmm. That's what happened. So they're going to kill him. That's all they can know. That's all they know. They know if you have a problem, you get rid of the problem. That's what they know. Wow. And so that's what they're going to do. All right. All right. Let's jump down to verse eight. Um, Jesus talks about, you go up to the feast. I'm not going up to the feast for my time is not fully come. So Jesus wasn't lying or being evasive. Rather, he was exercising a sensible, exercising sensible caution. Yes. Suppose he told his brothers his plans and they told somebody else. Could that information get to the religious leaders in Jerusalem? Yes. He was basically saying, I will go to the feast when the right time comes, as verse 10 says. He went up privately, not publicly. Again, so he was operating based off of what the Father was saying. So he knew that their hearts were wicked. He knew that they were not aligned with his perfect will. They had their own agenda. He already told them, hey, your time has come. You can go do whatever you want. But I am operating on a different system. I am operating on based off of what my father is saying, what my father is doing. And so in this, he's telling them, go ahead and go. But then there was a time that God says, all right, I want you now to go, but I'm going to have you go strategically. And there, and you're still going to do what I, you're going to do from the very beginning, even though you're going to come halfway through instead of at the very beginning. 
And so this is a, I, I said this in our discussion, I said this is a beautiful illustration of divine sovereignty yeah. and human responsibility. The father had a plan for his son and nothing could spoil that plan. Jesus did not tempt the father by rushing to the feast, wow. nor did he lag behind when the proper time had come for him to attend. This kind of situation requires spiritual discernment to know God's timing. That's so good. We <clears throat> never want to get ahead of God. <laughs> or lag behind. Well, how do you how do we know God's timing? How do we ha- how do we get a discerning spirit, Bob? What do we got to do? You got to spend time with him. How is that? What do we do? Uh, read his word, pray, listen, um, surround yourself by other people that are that are doing the same. See, so all of that could be as a form of religion as well. So what you just described, people can just read their Bible to say they read the Bible. A lot of people would just read it real quickly. As but a they, checklist. Yeah, as a checklist. Or they'll be praying because they just know it's the right thing to do. They pray, but they're but they're not really talking to the Father. They're doing a religious act to say that they did it. Yeah. So there's the the way that we have intimacy with the Lord is we have to empty ourselves. We have to remove the outside world. We have to find ourselves broken before his throne room. We have to find ourselves in an attitude of adoration, an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of worship. We have to remove the busyness that's clouding our judgment. Hmm. And we have to find ourselves emptied before him and saying, oh, Father, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. God, I just want to know you more. And in that attitude of brokenness, in that attitude of surrender, we then read his word. We then press in to know him more intimately. And as we have fellowship with him and we talk with him and we hear from him and talk to him, he then gives us our next steps. He then gives us what it is that he asks and wants and desires of us for that day. We then say, all right, God, I will adjust my life to whatever it is that you have for me. I will go where you go. I will stay where you stay. I will be obedient and worship and love others as you have so loved me. But if we don't have that mentality, we don't have a spiritual discernment. We don't know what to do next. We'll, we'll get caught up into the world's ways. We'll get caught up into the standards. We'll justify our actions because it seems to be the best right way to do things hmm. instead of actually hearing what God is saying. See, because we would have said, like Jesus said, if we didn't know the Father, we would have just went up. And said, yeah, because I need to, to share God's truth. I need to go give, you know, give the gospel to everybody. Yeah, it's a big crowd and we got to go up and you're right and all this stuff. And wow, I feel good. Yes, that's what I'm supposed to do. But Jesus all along was saying, no, that's not what I'm asking you to do. That's not my perfect will. That's not going to advance the kingdom the furthest as I'm desiring for you to do. And actually it's setting you up for a trap and you don't even see it. All wow. because you haven't spent time with me. Wow. Haven't spent proper time with me. That's really good, Pete. Yeah. What a what a great lesson. Yes. All right, let's move on. Yes. Um, and I don't. I feel like I don't want to move on. That that was so good. Yeah. All right. Verse eleven. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, "Where is he?" And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, "No, he is leading the people astray." So hold on. So we're reading now verses eleven through twenty-four. Um, and we're talking about what happened when Jesus finally appeared at the festival. So yes. that kind of sets up where we're going. Yes. All right. So Thank what verse were you in now? Well, we're on 13. Okay. So now verse Yet 13. for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learned when he has never studied? 
So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keep the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowds answered, You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marveled at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Yeah, so here it is. He's 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 basically you know, responding to their allegations, he's, he's, but he's using what they already know. So he's bridging with them. Um, he's, he's, he's adjusting his life in the moment. So he knows, he knows what their attacks are going to be, but he's just, he's basically answering them according to something that they already know so that they can either choose to accept it as truth or they can reject it and say, no, it's a lie. And so that's basically what's happening. So let's go ahead and just unpack this and, and kind of dissect it here. Okay. There are three different groups of people here. First, of course, is the Jewish leaders, or are the Jewish leaders who did the temple ministry. The second are the Jewish people, the crowd that came to Jerusalem from outside the city to worship. So and Jesus would be in that crowd. So Galilee, all the people outside, they come to worship. Okay. And then lastly, the crowd of Jews that lived in the city. In yeah. verses 11 through 13, we notice that the debate of Jesus began before he arrived in the city and is centered on his character. Some would say he was a good man, while some would say he was a deceiver. Yeah, so people would, so people that were observing him from a distance were trying to understand who is this guy? What do you think, man? What, what did you hear from him? You know, this president that we have, what do you think about him? Or what do you think about this? Or whoever it is. So he was already making an impact and he wasn't even there yet. Right, so there's, there's a stirring happening. He would have been... Uh, had to be one of the other because a good man would not deceive anybody. Either Jesus is who he claims to be mm. or he is a liar. So I loved what, remember what C.S. Lewis said? I think he brought this to light. Let me read kind of my statement here. I'll put my glasses on so I can read. Um, he said, Christ either deceived mankind by conscious fraud or he himself was deluded and self-deceived or he was divine. There is no, no getting out of this trilemma. First, if he claims to be God and yet in fact is not, he has to be a madman or a lunatic. Second, if he's neither God or nor a lunatic, he has to be a liar deceiving others by his lies. Or third, if he's neither of these, he must be God. You can only choose one of these three possibilities. <laughs> That's such a great quote. I heard Bono quote that one time. The prophet Bono. Yeah. Yeah. He, he quoted, yeah. he quoted From C.S. YouTube. Lewis. It's so good. Yeah. He's either, he's either a crazy man or he's God or he's a liar. So right? their debate, their debate is getting them to this. So they can't, um, they're trying to wrap. So I think they're honestly trying to wrap themselves around the truth. They're seeking the truth here. They're saying, okay, who is this guy? Um, and you know, the whole book of John is to talk about the signs to prove that he is who he says he is. 
And so John is writing like, hey, I'm proving to you without a shadow of a doubt. Jesus is basically saying, and he's doing, and people can testify to everything that he's saying is true. So either it's true or it's not, but you know, it's your guys' decision. So these guys are now, they're trying to wrap their mind around what's going on. What is Jesus saying? So let's kind of unpack kind of what their, some of their complaints and we'll move on. All right. So I think we're in verse 14. It yeah. said, Jesus arrived in the middle of the feast and began teaching in the temple. The debate changed from his character to his doctrine. Character and doctrine go together. It would be foolish to trust the teachings of a liar. Yeah, clearly. Notice in verse 15, Pete, they were amazed at what he was teaching because he did not have any credentials. So he didn't go to Harvard. So they no. were they were impressed that he No, was, he didn't go to their best, the, the Pharisees schools or, or the Sadducees schools. He didn't have all he these He didn't teachers. train under the, the, no. the, the big rabbi. There's right? no hierarchy to his learning. Man, so, so how could he know? Yeah. Well, we do not have to have studied formally to share God's good news. I think this is the lesson here. Uh, we just have to know the Father, and through and through you, He will teach amazing things. Amen. And so I, I think this is, um, it, let's just perfect example. I'm going to use you as an example. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> so Bob this weekend is going to be teaching at Go Church, and so he's going to be the lead teacher, um, and he's going to teach on John 14. But Bob does not have any formal education when it comes to biblical theology. He doesn't have, he hasn't gone to Bible college. He hasn't gone to any, he went to college, but he didn't do anything to just study that way. But when you examine Bob's life and you look at the fruit and you look at everything that God is actually doing in his life, it demands that he shares and teach with other people. He doesn't have the formal backing, but he has the heart and the passion, and he has the knowledge of who Jesus is because he's talked to him. He spent time with him, and God is moving in and through his life. And so that's kind of the example here that's happening. They're looking at Jesus. They're amazed. It's like, man, this guy teaches at a level that's above the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He has knowledge that's like supernatural. He knows these things. And the reason why he knows them is because he knows the Father. It's not like supernatural. It is is supernatural yeah. but it's That's the same awesome. i always tell people you want to be the wisest person in the world room if you want to be i mean i don't want to say knowledge smart but you're gonna you'll be the smartest person in the room wise wisdom wise if you know god amen if you're if you're in intimate relationship with jesus you'll have a conversation with someone and they'll look at you in amazement and say how do you know these things and you say, I know them because of the Father that lives within me. That's right. And what I speak is I speak what the Father says. And I speak the truth and I speak it in love. And the Father does all the heavy work. So there you go. Wow. Good. Well, thank you for the kind words, too. You're welcome. Since, uh, next statement. Since he did not have proper accreditation, his enemies said that his teachings were nothing but private opinions and not worth very much. Jesus said in verse 16, my teaching is not mine, but the Father's. He already made it clear that he and the Father were one in works and judgment. He is now saying that that this he's now saying this in his teaching as well. Yes. So he's saying it's not my words, it's the Father's. Yeah, and again, that's the same thing with us. So we the in John 17, Jesus says that we are the Father are one. As as the Father and Jesus are one, we are one with the Father and Jesus as well, right? So in all of the things that Jesus did, the Bible tells us that we can go and do likewise and do even greater things. And we're going to cover that when we <laughs> go further. But but at the same time, we the Holy Spirit now reveals to us the things of Jesus. That's one of the Holy Spirit's main responsibilities is to bring to light all the things that Jesus taught. 
And so if we are, we are aligned with the spirit and we're walking with the spirit and we're, we're in, in, in concert with what God is doing, what we teach or what we say will be in concert and will be spoken through the Holy Spirit to other people. And so it would be the teachings of Jesus. So what we're saying is we can say it in boldness. We can say it with authority because it's not I that's saying it, but it's Christ that's living within me that's saying it. So that's kind of what's well, and, happening And that's here. what Jesus is saying in verse 18, I think. He's, he, so he says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. I don't ever want to be that person. But right. the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there is no falsehood. Yeah. This verse explains why the Jewish leaders did not understand his teachings. They had a stubborn wills and ultimately would not submit to the Father. Yeah, and again, it's because of their habits. It's because of the religion, religi religion the religiosity in their life. I mean, all of these things they've built up. And it's a, a lot of times it's the same thing with us. And so it's hard for people that are older in their faith or hard that people that have been stuck in their ways for so long to have to let go of all of that and reset and restart with Jesus. And it's like a lot, like this is what happened. They were so indoctrinated with the religion. They could not accept this simple truth that Jesus was offering. He basically said, we saw it last time. If you believe in me, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. That's it. It's that simple. You believe in me you surrender to me, then all things are then added unto you. And they're like, no, no, you got to do this and you got to have this and you got to have this and you got to have a big religion. You got to have a big following. You got to have this, you got to have all this. And and he's basically saying, ah, that's not what it is. You know, Pete, it almost, to me, it sounds like it just boils down to a pride issue because for them Always. to admit that they'd have to admit that everything that they believe and everything they do is is wrong. It's, it's out of sync. Yep. It's out of phase, right? Yep. So, and again, it's, we're the same as the Jews. So the Jews depended yes. on education and authorities and received their doctrine secondhand. But Jesus insisted that we experience the authority of truth personally. Nice. Jesus allows us to have a personal relationship with him. He personally will download into you his doctrine, his truth, so that you can reveal that to other people. You do not have to go to man. You do not have to go to the world system. You do not have to go to anything else other than him. He will be the author and finisher of your life. He will be your beginning and end. He will be your next steps. Because of Jesus, we can connect right to the source. That's it. That's really good. Yep. G. Campbell Morgan said, when men are holy, completely consecrated to the will of God and want to do that above everything else, then they find out that Christ's teaching is divine mm. and that it is the teaching of God himself. Mm. If we really seek God's will, then we will not worry over who gets the glory. Amen. All truth is God's truth, and God alone deserves the glory for what he has taught us. We have to remove ourselves. And uh, I'm telling you, these guys wanted all the glory. These disciples, and I mean, not well, the disciples too. The disciples, like, who's going to be set at this? And who's the most holy of all? And who's this? I mean, that we're, our world teaches that. Yeah. And John the Baptist taught us Can I sit next best. to? I, where, where, where should I sit? We uh. must decrease. The world and the system in your life is not about you. The Lord has gone before you. It's always about him. He has prepared the way. He is opening the doors. He is revealing truth. You are to follow him in what he is doing. And by us doing that, he then can get the glory. If we're taking it on our own responsibility, look how good I've studied. Look at what I've done. Mm. Look at all the accomplishments I've done. Man, us. I've worked so hard to get this and I've done this and I've done that. And it was like, oh, wow, great job. You did amazing. And, and you're getting all the credit. 
and you completely kick Jesus out of the equation. Hmm. Let it never be. Hey, Pete. Yeah. What do people do even today? What do people do when they start losing an argument based on facts? They start accusing you and cursing you. And yeah, calling you names, right? Names. Yep. Well, look at verse 20. Yeah. So in verse 20, the crowd answers, you have a demon. <laughs> yep. And he said, who is seeking to kill you? They're basically saying you're crazy. They're calling, yeah, Jesus. They're saying you're crazy, man. Yeah, he's a lunatic. <laughs> we don't think the crowd knew the Jewish leaders were seeking to kill Jesus. So they were challenging his statement. But the reply contained a very serious accusation that he was a demon. Yeah, I mean, when we, you know, when when we face issues like this, you know, when we're talking or doing truth or loving people will start cause you know causing you know bringing up your past yeah. people do that all the time yep. i remember when you did this and da, 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 or you know they'll take one stupid slip that you said and they'll make it a big deal because you're imperfect and yep. you've messed up um yeah so whatever they can do whenever you see like on twitter I, i'm on twitter a lot but whenever you see somebody start bashing on somebody because they're doing you just know Right away. I mean, they're they're just they're trying to make themselves feel better, so they're trying to put down other people. And in this case, they're just basically saying you have a demon, which is kind of a really big deal. And Jesus is basically looking up and saying, "No, I'm a demon executor. <laughs> I, I come to I kick demons' butts. Right? I've already overcome Satan. Let me tell you my story." Um, but he didn't do that. But um, yeah, for the leaders to say this before, but people will say horrible things when they feel threatened or don't understand something. So that's what they're going to do. They'll call you some names that you don't get, but it hurts. If, yeah. you're, if, you're, if your eyes are on yourself, it hurts. That's right. But if your eyes are on Jesus, you're just praying for that person. It, yeah, you just see him as him. a broken person. Yeah. 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 All right, let's finish up with this. Jesus responded, responded to the crowd by using the law of Moses to refute the enemy's arguments. He knew that they would not give in. Why? Because their standard of judgment was not honest. They evaluated things on the basis of superficial examination of the facts. They judged on the basis of how they felt. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And not what actually was. So he ended his rebuttal with this. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Yeah. So it, again, if they knew the, if they knew where Jesus came from, if they understood that he came from Bethlehem. So he was born in Bethlehem as the prophet Malachi shared. Um, is it Malachi? I might have gotten that mixed up. Anyways, as the, as the prophecy shared that he was born there, they were automatically assuming that he was from Galilee, that he was the son of Joseph. And, and there's like, who is this? This guy can't be a prophet. This guy can't be the Messiah. This guy can't be any of these things. And so they were basing all of their facts on something else. And when they were doing that, they then were bringing judgment upon him. And if they would just have the whole truth, if they would have just known uh, everything, um, then they could have had better facts and they could have made a different decision. But Jesus knew that their hearts were so calloused at that time. They were already turned away from him. They were already you know, convinced in their heart that they're going to reject him. There was nothing that he could have done. You know, I mean, look at our lives today. Like when we, we, how many people, well, I have, I don't know about you guys, but I've talked to a lot of people that were, that were so hard uh, bent against God that they would have nothing. They don't want to even hear any truth. They just, they hate everything to do with, with Jesus. And, and I think the reason being a lot of times is because the church has uh, been really good at religion and because religion sucks, it's turned a lot of people away from Jesus. Sure. 
And um, I would say a lot of people in church are doing the religious thing. They're going through the motions and they're holier than thou because they're so good and they're living a righteous life. Um, but they don't know Jesus intimately. They have not, they have not surrendered their life. They have not been broken in his presence on a daily basis. And, um, you know, they, they might have a testimony to things that God has done in their past. They might have a miracle or two. Uh, but if you were to ask them, what is Jesus telling you today? Or how's he speaking with you? And how are, how's your walk with him now in this moment? They'll be like, uh, I have no idea what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying. Well, the reason why they don't know what he's saying is because they don't know Jesus. They know that they know the the story of Jesus. Caricature, right? They know all of that. They know that he's a good God and they believe in him. They believe in all that. But Jesus, remember when it said, he says, um, well, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Hmm. Didn't I, didn't I, uh, you know, give tithes and alms? Didn't I share Bible studies? Didn't I go to church? And Jesus is going to look at those people and he's going to say, depart from me. I've oh. never known you. Matthew and, seven, I think. Yeah, and he's going to say that, and it's and it's going to break his heart. But he's, I'm telling. There's people here today. If you're listening to this, he's telling you the same thing. There's a difference between doing religious acts, going to church, and all this stuff, and actually knowing Jesus intimately. Thoughts on that? No, I think I was going to actually pull up that verse and read it. If you give me a second, yeah, let me get there real quick. No, that's um, cool. Because I think that's man. That, We've talked about this a lot. This is just one of these, one of those verses that is just on my heart. Um, it's in, it's Matthew 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare, to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is just heartbreaking. And if there's anything that we're tr- we've always tried to do here on Riot Podcast is to help share the difference between a relationship and a religious work, a religious act. And that's one of the things that we've done. Some of the you know difference between Catholics and Protestants, you know the Islam in 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 Christianity. So we've done these things, but we're really trying to showcase that to know Jesus is to know Jesus. I mean, he's he's a real person. He he really loves you, and he really wants to talk to you. But if we're caught up with our busyness, and if we're trying to just do things to do things, then all we're doing is religion. And we're going to be influenced by the world's ways. We're going to judge people the way the world judges people. We're going to see things the way the world sees them. We're going to look at the that you need to have a big, bad education. You're going to have a, have a big ministry to be a, be famous. You're going to have to have you know celebrity status in order for you to be respected. And 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 Jesus is looking at the 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 widowed wife woman that's uh, that prays throughout the day that has influence uh, in a different way. And and he looks at the the widow's might where she gives the last of her money and and gives it to her. And he looks at her as more royalty. And he says, that's the person that I'm looking for. I'm looking for the broken and contrite spirit. I'm looking for the person that's, that's willing to let me lead their life. I'm looking for the person that's willing to hear me and listen to me and willing to adjust your life. Uh, and do the things according to my father's will. And, um, and that's what God's saying. And I'm, if you're listening to this today and you've heard this message and uh, the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart and you're saying, yeah, you know what? I need to repent of my sins. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you've been living in religion your whole life. Maybe you've been uh, doing the works to, to please God, but it's been really just to please yourself. And and when you ask the question, what is God telling you today, that you don't know the answer to it, 
That might mean that you don't know Jesus. And, and I'm telling you, if you know Jesus intimately, your life is completely set ablaze. You're on fire. There's nothing you can do to change it. Because when the love of God is poured into you, it transforms you. It changes you in such a way that you cannot stop speaking about him. You cannot stop sharing the truths that he's given you every single day. You can't. And if you're not doing that, it might mean because you don't know him. It might mean because you're too busy doing your own life. It might be because you're just doing religion and you're more cared about your work. You're more cared about money. You're more cared about your fame than you are cared about doing the will of God. And so today you can repent of that. You can turn from that. You can say, God, forgive me of that. Lord, help me to to surrender my life to you. Help me to block out time in my day to be quiet before you. Help me to be in fellowship with you through worship and through prayer and adoration. Help me, God, to, to, to be still in your presence and give you credence the way that you desire, you deserve, Lord. Help me to do that, oh God. That's all you got to do. You got to repent. You got to turn and you got to do action. You got to, that's the whole part of the sovereignty of God and our responsibility. God is at work. He is, he's never going to stop. He's constantly at work in your life. He is moving at this very moment. Now go find out where he's at and join him. Spend time with him to hear him. Have a discerning spirit and know him. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus and you don't know who he is intimately and personally, all you have to do is just close your heart and your mind and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I turn from my wicked ways and and I, I choose today to believe in you. I choose to believe that you are my God and my Messiah I I repent of my sins. I believe that you died and rose again on the third day. And I choose today to spend intimate quality time with you every single day for the rest of my life. I give you my life in Jesus name. Amen. And that's all you got to do. And the Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice if you did that. And they believe that. And now go tell somebody. Yes. Go share the truth with somebody else. Go tell them the exciting news that Jesus has done in your life. Yeah, Pete, as you're as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, all the people when they when when people genuinely met Jesus, they they couldn't help but tell people. <laughs> I mean, it. like, look at Philip; he ran to Nathaniel, right? It. What yep. happens to the the Samaritan woman at the well? What did she do yep. after she met Jesus? She ran to the city and told the whole city. Yep. I mean, the the lame guy or the uh, parallels guy, the paralyzed guy at the pool. He yep. went and just told that people can't help it. When you meet Jesus, you have to tell people yeah. about it. So I think that's what Pete was, part of what Pete was saying is yeah. like, if if you don't have that hunger and that desire to tell people about it, yeah. maybe you haven't really met Jesus. Oh yeah. You met Jesus, you're changed. Yeah. <laughs> you can't change that. <laughs> well, what a great show, Pete. As always, I want to just remind our listeners, uh, make sure you subscribe so you get the, the, the updated podcast every Thursday. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you click that bell, hit the subscribe button. And guys, wherever you listen, would you share it with somebody? Just tell somebody. I mean, it could be just something as simple as, hey, I, I, I was listening to these crazy guys. Check them out. I think you might enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just share it. Just share it with somebody else. You never know uh, how God is going to use uh, your obedience in doing that. So check us out at the Riot Podcast, at our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and uh, wherever you grab your, um, your um, what am I trying to think of? Yeah, your, your podcast, podcast or YouTube. I forgot the name of the or podcast. The Riot Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's one of those days. Well, we love you guys. Thanks for listening and cannot wait to talk to you again next week. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you as you walk intimately with him this week. Amen. God bless you. Amen. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.